If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Isaac Tolpin. Isaac is the co-founder of Conveyor.com. Is the number one micro-learning platform for influencers and companies. He is also a noted direct sales expert. He spent 10 years in a particular company, growing that company to over 32 regions and over $11.5 million in sales. He is um, a husband, a father. He has seven children and his wife, Angie, runs CourageousMom.com. So he's here to tell us a little bit about himself, his business, his life experiences, and of course, his faith. He's a, he's a Christian businessman and an entrepreneur, and also, you know, what he does in his community in Bend, Oregon. So without further ado, Isaac, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so great to be here, and what a great intro. I appreciate it. Great, great. So Isaac, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I just went over it briefly, but you tell me your origin story. What's your, you know, your Dark Knight Batman story, so to speak? Oh, I don't, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, there's several <laughs> things. Like, one of the things that might be interesting, and some people on this show in particular might relate to this, that um, when I was growing up, I never quite felt like I was uh, jiving with the academic world. I, mm. I was smart, I could do it, but um, it just, it, it seemed so mundane and slow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always trying to think about, well, hey, maybe I could run a business someday. And uh, I think that seed was planted in me at a young age because uh, my dad was a cabinet maker at the time. Now he's okay. an author, okay. uh, Jim Tolpin. Okay. And and uh, and I would build wooden boats and crafts, and then he would set me up with a table, and I'd go sell them at craft shows. And I lived in a small town called Port Townsend, Washington, and and that was a pivotal experience, and it really made me realize I'm more wired for that. I had some jobs when I was younger; I did a good job, but I never seemed to uh, either make it or I'd move on because it just didn't make sense. My lunch would cost what I was making, mm-hmm. and uh, you know those kinds of things. So at a yeah. young age, I'm like, how how can I do something that? And I and I think what was put in me at a young age is. I don't know how, but you know, I want to do something that matters. Yeah. I mean, we live in a, we live in America, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, or, you know, people all over the world are listening to this, but you know, it's like, there's plenty of opportunity, um, uh, to do incredible things and, uh, and to impact the world, but we yeah. have to do things that really matter. And I think that's what matters most. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned that because I know the world that we live in where, kind of built to follow a certain template. You know, you go to school for six years in, um, I, in America, it's called, high, in America, it's called a junior and senior high, but in Africa, we're yeah, yeah. we'll just called high school, so secondary school. Yeah. So you do yeah. that for six years, you go to college for four years, you maybe get a master's degree one year, two year, and then find yourself in the job and you climb up the ladder. And depending on how well you do, you can reach a certain point and then retire with, yeah. with the gold watch and get the pension. But these days, we found that everything we've seen in the past, yeah. of, like when our parents were, you know, growing up and working, those things have been shattered. You know, you're not guaranteed that 20 year 
career anymore. You're not guaranteed that, you know, if you go to school and do well, you will be able to find a job like a lot of people are finding. So your mission of doing something that matters really resonates with me and I think with a lot of the listeners on the show. Hello? Yep. Yep. Oh, I lost your video for a second there. Oh, I just, I I got rid of it because we started... uh... The connection wasn't as good, so okay. I, I thought that I thought that would help. That's all. Okay, okay, that's fine, no problem. So, yeah. your your mission of do something that matters really resonates because you know we're all here for a short period of time in life, and then when you live your life and you're and you're dead and gone, depending on what you believe, you know, um, if you're a Christian, you believe you know there's life after death and you go to heaven, but th- yeah. You have to have some type of legacy that you leave behind that the lives you've touched, the people that have known you and experienced you will either have a good memory of you or a good um, of yeah. thought of you. So why did you kind of hang on to that statement that, you know, you have to do something that matters? Well, I think within everybody, whether you believe um, there's an afterlife or not, since you mentioned that, I think that within everybody is implanted this draw towards something worthy that mm. our life matters for something that mm. we're doing something that we're passionate about that not only uh, brings us reward, but that benefits other people. And mm. I think that a lot of people don't pay attention to that yeah. because they feel like they can't and they get in this rhythm of what culture might say is the right path, which is, you know, it's a lot changed now, but mm-hmm. you know, education, get a career, move up in a career. And maybe for some that's okay, but for a lot, and I really admire a lot of young people nowadays because they're really understanding the shift that's happening, which mm-hmm. is, Hey, you know what? I don't necessarily need to go to college to be successful. Yeah. I don't necessarily need to go to college to do this. And frankly, it's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in a lot of respects, I mean, I would 100% not encourage anybody to do college and go into debt. Mm-hmm. And if that's the only, if that's the only way you can do it, cause you can't get the scholarships or things like that, maybe there's a different path because yeah. man, that's a raw deal. And a lot of things, uh, not everything, but a lot of things are irrelevant that they're teaching in the classroom because mm-hmm. these uh, professors have been there forever. So yeah. I just think that I think within everybody, those is called to do something, do something big. And, and that might mean something different for yeah. everybody. It, it might not mean you're a celebrity. It might yeah. not mean that you have all the money in the world, but, I think we all can do our best to serve humanity and and make our life count for something. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. So tell us a little bit about the story of um, growing that um, direct sales division of the company. You know, how did you find yourself in, did you study direct sales in college and how did you find yourself in that situation where you grew the business to over $11.5 million? You know, I hardly ever get asked that. So that's a, I'm so glad you did. It's a great question. I, uh, I'd always uh, worked jobs where I didn't have to interact with people, mm-hmm. um, mostly because, you know, I didn't have any experience working face-to-face with people. And I was a, a really introverted, uh, far more shy person, but mm-hmm. strong growing up. And, um, and I got into direct sales because it made more sense. I got commission. It was with Cutco, the high-end kitchen cutlery okay. uh, they're yeah. like a $250 million company in, yes. in the States, but great product. But anyways, I, I, it was just a summer job and it really, I saw it as an opportunity to grow mm. and to push myself out of my comfort zone and get experience working with people in sales. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really done that. So, so that was great. I did that for a summer. I got into the management program, kind of to fast forward. Uh, I remember preparing when I was 20 to go out and run my own office, uh, for a summer called a branch office. Mm-hmm. And 
And uh, in preparation, I still was not an accomplished speaker. I'd get up in front of the team where I was an assistant, and my manager would laugh at me in the back of the room for you know, my public speaking mistakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just was not very confident doing, you know, public speaking and those kinds of things. But something happened. A switch went off when I went and ran my own branch in Bellingham, Washington. And, uh, and, and running a branch involves, you know, you get a territory, you get an, you negotiate an office space, you get a receptionist, you, you, rec- you set up recruiting, advertising, you interview, you know, college students, you mm-hmm. build a team. Well, we recruited, you know, over a hundred college students that summer, uh, out of 200 offices in the nation, we ended up being number one. Uh, but the real, the real interesting thing about that was, um, I really knew some of the superpowers that I, I grew to knew some of the superpowers I never knew I had Mm. with ability to speak in a way that touches the hearts of the people in front of me, Mm. uh, towards something worthy versus in seeing something worthy beyond um, what normal people would just see. And so really I created a movement through that in that summer and a lot of people's lives were changed. I was still not a believer. I didn't believe in God at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly some of the students tried to witness to me that summer, but it didn't work mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, but, um, but it was an incredible summer and it was an incredible thing. And it really changed me It was one of those pivotal times where I go, Wow, there's a superpower I never knew I had mm-hmm. until I was, uh, you know, 20 years old. Wow, that's very interesting. Very. So you you worked in that company for over 10 years, and then what happens next? Did you leave to start your own business? Well, the kind of the fast forward, I you know, stay, ended up staying with him through college. Ran a year-round office, then I ran, you know, took over Washington, Oregon as a division manager. Mm-hmm. We were doing about five million a year, and then. I don't know if anybody's listening has ever experienced this where you're doing well, but you have this magnitude of mission for impact to grow even further and to do more. Mm. And you're wondering if you're in the right place or doing the right entrepreneurial thing uh, or if you should jump ship and do something else. Mm -hmm. And I literally felt this conviction that I'm supposed to stay right where I am, but I'm Mm. supposed to be fully who I am and do things and think about my organization in terms of if this was my own company, what would I be doing mm. to get myself outside of the condition thinking of a, you know, a 60 year old company yeah. at the time and, and to really go, okay, what are best practices and what do I do? So I books like good to great from Jim Collins, you know, get the right people on the bus, wrong people off the, bus, the bus, right in the right seats, um, to, you know, uh, deal in reality. Don't mm. sugarcoat things. Don't spin things. Be very, very candid and very truthful with your people. And uh, empower people in, in in the power of you know real delegation and setting up systems and things like that. So I we I got my team together, uh, my leadership team. Of, uh, I think uh, there was eight key leaders leaders at the time. Spent all day together, fed them, and we decided there was 15 things we're going to change. And I made captains of those change, and then we all went back to our, our territories and areas, and we made those changes in one year. Long story short. Uh, during the crash of, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010 in America, um, our organization went from 5 million to 10 million, then 11 million and, and, uh, did what it's never been done before. And the lesson out of that is that you, you have to make sure, um, you know, maybe you're just not displaying the best leadership you could. Uh Now I was at the time, I was one of the better leaders in the company Mm -hmm. where our organization was top, uh, two or so, but, but how good of a leader could you be? And sometimes being a better leader is 
just letting other people lead, lead. getting so many more people to lead and being themselves and, and bringing out innovation and so forth. And, and so our organization was released to innovate and to do different things that ended up transforming the, co- the company in, as a whole in a lot of ways. And so, so we did about 40 million in the last four years, um, as a division manager. And then while, while I was, um, at the top, you know, uh, of that thing, I decided to leave. Mm. And then, and then it was, um, you know, at the time I had some, uh, some pride and ego. And I think okay. it's important to check ourselves, uh, with that. There's nothing worse than a young person that's only been successful. Mm. And, and, and the reason for that is because, uh, until you failed and failed hard, mm-hmm. um, I'm not talking about a bad day or a bad month or just low sales or something like that. I'm talking yeah. like real failure where it's painful. Um, you, it's hard to be humbled and have a humility in a way and a respect for things um, that that yields maybe more meaningful success. And so, so I went off to uh, build an agency um, as a publishing model in the digital space for e-learning. We worked with high celebrity influencers and speakers and trainers and built platforms. We had 43 employees and in a 9,000 square feet of space. And Mm. it was, it was really cool. The idea seemed like it would work, but you know what? It didn't. And, um, that was a powerful experience closing that down Mm. and failing. And I think one of the, there's many lessons out of that, but man, it totally humbled me. And I think that I actually, I actually, um, I'm thankful for that. Okay. So, um, I want to expand on that. So was that your biggest failure, your biggest entrepreneurial failure? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And so in in the period or in the season when that venture was failing, what was going through your mind? What was your thought process like? What were you feeling during that, that period? And then um, as a continuation to that, what role did your faith play in helping you um, come back and rise above that challenge. Yeah, no, that's cool. You know, to wind back when I was 23, when I accepted the Lord, I was on, on the top of the world. And so, um, but it's, it's great to, to rely on your faith when things are good and when things are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, so what was happening when this, keep in mind, I had, um, seven kids. Mm. Uh, my wife, my wife has courageous mom.com, but she's home with the kids. Yeah. And, um, I had exhausted all, all my resources, which I had a, a lot, you know, that yeah. I invested in the agency, publishing yeah. agency, and that was all gone. And I had no income coming in. Yeah. I had um, a great business partnership uh, with the tech company with uh, Stephen Ryan uh, yeah. of eight years. Um, and that's the company that produced Conveyor. But we hadn't really ramped that up yet. And, and so I was, um, I was in this space of, um, wow. I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I think, mm-hmm. you know, you have that self doubt that enters in and wow, what, you know, what am I going to do? And, and then your faith kicks in and it goes, well, I'm, I'm created by God. I, you know, am I not going to trust God to totally take care of me? Mm-hmm. And that was a real moment of like, no, I totally trust. Mm-hmm. I totally trust. And in faith, um, I moved forward and, uh, and I was totally, you know, things were totally provided for and, and, uh, ramped up convey your, did some consulting on the side and, um, did some things. It was really neat too, to see my family come together and, and be supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, there was no conflict with my wife and I or anything. Oh. It was just a sign of a really strong marriage. And we just, we just banded together and, and, um, you know, really, you know, made things happen, um, with full submission to God. But, you know, so that's kind of some of those things. I think when you're in those moments of truth, it's when what's really in you comes out. It's yeah. easy to look good and display greatness when you're succeeding. Mm -hmm. But what comes out of you when you're squeezed mm. is what matters. And if you haven't been squeezed yet, you may not know. And I'm not wishing on anybody to get squeezed, but, but, um, but it is a good growing experience. And I think that the outcome of it is as now we're back to, you know, what you might call success with, you know, conveyor and, and all the good things happening. Um, is that I definitely um, am, am working on and making sure I stay in humility um, with my influence and, and with my life and, mm. and, and my, so that's important. Mm. That's, that's, that's a very powerful message. You, so you mentioned um, it's really what comes out of you when you're squeezed. I just remembered, um, so my chancellor used to be the late Jerry Falwell of, um, Oh, oh wow. Thomas Road Baptist Church. And every time when I was in college, he used to always say it's it's almost guaranteed whenever he spoke, he'd tell us yeah. that there are three types of people in life. People that are just coming out of trouble, people that are currently in trouble, and people that will soon be in trouble. But that in, in as much as you're one of those three people and you don't know what stage you are right now or you do, that no matter what happens, just don't quit and don't give up. And that, you know, you need to find somebody you can, you know, stand together and partner with and, you know, face the troubling times together and come out of it together. And you had your wife in that. So I, I want to ask you, I think this is a p more personal question because, um, of course, you are, out, you're in your mid thirties, correct? Or your later thirties? Yeah, yeah, 42. Oh, 42, man, you don't look it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so you're you're a younger guy, in, you're 42, and, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, be they male or female, you know, whenever you're trying to set up something, you know, it's having that support system backing you that kind of, like, makes the dark days not so dark. So talk a little yeah. bit about... Um, choosing the right partner and choosing the person to stand with you during the storm because i think that is very essential that a lot of people seem to gloss it over they think they can sit in the cave somewhere keep working on code or doing whatever they do but they don't realize that you know it's the um support system and the love and the friendship and the connections that actually make the success and all those things worthwhile well, there is no success without love. Mm. So, so uh, you know, choosing who you're married to uh, is the single greatest uh, decision, earthly decision you'll ever make. And I think that um, you have to choose that wisely. Mm. There's lots of ways that comes about, but you need to. I, I, I well, I have older kids now. I have a 17 year old, 14 year old. I'm just starting to think about these things. You know, mm -hmm. at least in mind. You know. And, and, uh, and I always say, it's like, Hey, do whatever God's calling you to do and do it with the best of your ability mm -hmm. while still integrating, you know, building relationships with people mm -hmm. and, and God will bring that right person to you, mm -hmm. uh, when you're supposed to, when that person's there, but don't, don't, um, let down your principles, you know, um, of, of, of who that person should be mm. and, uh, and, and what you think they should believe and those kinds of things. That's really, really important. And then uh, on the other side of that question is once you're married or you have, you have that person, 
um, is it's really important. A lot of entrepreneurs make unbelievable mistakes regarding this. Mm. When you're uh, going to make a really important big decision, mm -hmm. do not make it without your spouse okay. or your significant other. You've got to sit down. You've got to go on a date somewhere outside of the house mm -hmm. and you've got to have the napkin talk. You've got to like, hey, I'm thinking about you know, investing in this, or I'm mm -hmm. thinking about starting this business, or I'm thinking about going for this goal, mm -hmm. uh, or, or shifting this in this way, you know, here's some of the sacrifices that might have to happen, mm -hmm. uh, in our lives for us to do that. And I wanted to get your input so we could either make a yes on this decision together or not. And it's not that I'm not saying, Hey, you know, I'm not making decisions in my household. Like yeah. for sure am. But I think that good leadership is including your spouse yeah. in those major decisions. And here's why. If you don't, if you just make a decision, and this might be just going out and buying something for $2,000 and not consulting your, your wife about it. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you don't include her in that, if things don't go well, you won't have support. Yes. Because they didn't decide ahead of time mm -hmm. to make that commitment with you, whether mm -hmm. it succeeds or not. They were not, and part I of, think that they were not part of the process. They were not part of the process. And yeah. so it takes a visionary mindset to have a great marriage. Mm. It takes visionary mindset to be a great entrepreneur. Mm. You have to be able to see things today that aren't necessary for today. Mm. But tomorrow will be required of. So you have to be able to – you have to be a futurist in your yeah. marriage and a futurist in business. You have, to, you have to be having conversations with people today that you know three years from now – today might have been required for that relationship to be intact three years from now okay. if certain things happen. So you have to be a futurist. Hmm. That's powerful stuff. So I guess that leads us into what you're currently doing today. So tell us a little bit about Conveyor, you know, how that whole venture came about and what are the exciting things you guys are doing in the marketplace with that company? Well, this has been a fun conversation. You, you're really good at this, and I appreciate it. You know, it's a great podcast. So, Thank you. Uh, yeah, for sure. And did you go to Liberty, by the way? Yes, I did. I went to Liberty. Okay, when you said Jerry Falwell, that yeah. I was I was just there with my 17 year old daughter. Oh, really? On campus. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. So. It's, it's, is, yeah. She, is she thinking of going there? She's thinking about it. She okay. got accepted to Patrick Henry, though, so that's kind of her first choice. But oh, okay. um, yeah, no, but we'll see. LU is quite good. I recommend it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me let me answer your question. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, when I was in the, you know, Stephen and I are business partners, and he's incredible, and you know, we were both in Cutco together, uh -huh. uh, in different doing different things, and. And so we understand human behavior and where that's going, working with so many young people for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, we also understand the dynamics of e-learning and the whole industry and where the challenges are in that space. And we thought for a second, what if we started from scratch mm. and built something from the ground up for the learner, mm. not for HR? Okay. For the learner, not for the marketer. Mm. Okay. And then, and then from the beginning, built it that way. And then made sure it aligned with where human behavior is at today mm -hmm. and where it's going. Yeah. And then and then after we accomplish that, let's make sure it has what HR needs and what the marketer or trainer needs. Okay. And and that's what we built. So convey your is a micro learning platform mm -hmm. where it's easy for the author or the HR department to put small videos or content together 
and drip it out or release it directly to employers' phones or uh, their followers' phones and monetize it if they want. And uh, and so it's really, really easy to bring your content to life. Wow. So it's, 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 it's actually going to be sent to the mobile phone and not something you log into on your computer. So you can basically watch it in the train or in your commute or where wherever and you're not going to spend too much time glued to it just consume it move on yeah if you have to log in somewhere you've already lost right oh, you yeah. know people forget yeah. yeah yeah so so each learner gets a unique link mm. uh you get text reminders when there's new content with mm. that link again you can bookmark that link and you get into it from an admin or author side mm. you can easily put together a course that uh, blows doors on something in kajabi thinkific or teachable Wow. Um, and blows doors on the traditional LMS systems. And, you know, we have a case study where employ employers at Capital One, okay. I'm sorry, not employers, uh, a group <laughs> of middle managers at Capital One uh, went through a 30-day course, mm. and it was optional. Okay. There was 30, sh 30 short videos, gamified question, and a leaderboard, and they had 100% completion of what? all of those man middle managers going through that 30-day course. What? Yeah, that's, so that's it, almost unheard of in e-learning. It, it is unheard of. Yeah. I mean, higher education gets twenty-five percent completion of, on average, of mm -hmm. their college students through online learning. I mean, the large MOOCs get like they don't get completion. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's completing stuff. Yeah. You know, Lynda.com. Yeah, I don't know what their numbers are, but I know what their platform looks like, and mm -hmm. you know, it's solid. But people aren't completing things, mm -hmm. and. And if you actually want to impact the world with your content, if you're selling content and you yeah. want them to come back and buy more, yeah. if you're HR and, and you want your, your learning to be a catalyst to the learning culture and mm -hmm. employee engagement retention, then they have to complete things because they wanted to, yeah. not because they felt like they had to. Mm -hmm. And they have to enjoy it. Yeah. And so we, game, we made it easy to gamify this, drip out micro content, because there's this thing that I, I keep sharing and I want to share here is when you're putting content together, you can't break learner trust. Mm. And you will break learner trust if they don't accomplish something within five minutes. Mm. They need to learn something valuable. They need to interact with it so it's two-way engagement. And they need to be recognized for it and, and accomplish it within five, let's say five to seven minutes. Okay. And if they, and if they do that, what happens when they get a new text message, you know, the next day or five days later? They're excited the, to go. They're excited to go. Yeah. But what if it was 12 minutes? Mm. Maybe not as excited yeah. because like I love the content, but I don't have 12 minutes right now. Yeah. So the key is getting people back. Mm. So you can't have them log into some library somewhere. You, you have to go to them and ping them. Mm -hmm. You can't just send them emails. If you send them emails, you've already lost, lost. because yeah. – you're just adding to the email guilt. Do you want to associate your content with guilty feeling? <laughs> no. You know, so no. So that's so that's where we're at, and it's fun. I mean, this is a movement, really. Yeah. Uh, we're we're transitioning into a social uh, good company. Uh, we're right now researching um, uh, some organization we can contribute to from every sale okay. uh, that uh, elevates human humanity through education or training. Mm -hmm. And uh, down the road, that'll become a major part of what we're doing. We've disrupted the LMS world and mm -hmm. the online training world with a solution that takes the friction out for the authors to produce content mm -hmm. and takes the friction out of the learner and, and, and they actually enjoy it. Mm. Now, I love this concept of taking micro courses, but... Um... Look, at, we've, we've covered this from the employer or the professional setting, for example. 
what are the applications in terms of traditional education, like, you know, college or rolling out a, let's say, one-year master's degree through your your platform? Yeah, so the the professor syndrome yes. is where I start with that. So um, <laughs> professors are really good at pontificating, and they're really good at it, and they have really good content, mm-hmm. right? The experts, mm-hmm. okay, and that's good. And I'm not I'm not mocking it at all. This I'm yeah. being serious here. But that only works live. And so um, the so if you try and take a 40 minute lecture, and you break that down and lay, hey, we're doing a good job. We're breaking that down into two 20 minute videos. Okay. No, no, no. That's not going to work in a digital environment. Mm. You you literally need to rethink that 40-minute lecture. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's probably 10 minutes of fluff, so there's really 30 minutes of content. Okay. And and then you need to think about how can I break that into five to seven-minute videos, five minutes ideally, and make more of those videos. Okay. So it's not that we're it's not that we're not going into deep concepts, mm-hmm. and we're not and we're not giving the information. What I'm saying is. If you want their attention, they need to complete it faster and do an engagement so they yeah. feel like engaging with you versus just being talked at. Yeah. You can only talk at people if they're right in front of you in real life. Mm-hmm. If you're in a digital environment, you have to go for like five minutes and then let them engage and then go for another five minutes, maybe yeah. on the same topic, yeah. and let them engage and then another five minutes and let them engage. And so you would have to recut that content and have that professor restructure it into a bunch of morsels. Okay. And, and then it works. It works great. No, no, I said that's just following um, like the natural order of how we as human beings are currently operating. Because I don't see myself sitting on my phone more than five minutes at a time. If I check my apps, check Facebook Messenger, check my text message, I move on to check something else, or I go do something else. And that's what everybody's doing these days. Oh, totally, mm. totally. And so, so, so it's a little bit of a re-education, right? And mm-hmm. everybody seems to agree with me when I talk to them, but. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, wait a minute. My com- my information is really, um, really deep mm-hmm. and complex in complex situations. I'm like, okay, but do you realize nobody's going to consume it in digital mm-hmm. if if you make it long? Like, mm-hmm. so let's just break it down. Now, I'm not asking you to get rid of really important, con- you know, information. Yeah. But what what I am asking you to do is rethink how you deliver that yeah. in digital. Digital is the most distracting place in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because a lot of things are going on, like as we're talking, my calendar just popped up telling me something else is going on, there's traffic somewhere. Lots of things are always happening that people's attentions can easily be distracted and pulled away from having to focus for 20, 30 minutes for an online course video or something like that. Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, we have like Capital One and University of Alberta putting college classes in it and we have... You know, trainers, speakers, authors using it to, you know, bring their content to life or monetize it and things like that. Okay. Now, are you guys looking at um, putting your courses on um, messenger platforms like um, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, etc.? Um, that's a good question. You know, what's coming? We're eighty percent done with the native app right now. It's not needed. We're not even getting requests for it because okay. the text notifications is working. But okay. there is there is an opportunity here where. You know, the learners, you could turn this on as an admin. The learners have an opportunity to turn the text notification into a push notification and download okay. that. Okay. And when they download the, the Convey Your app to their phone, now only the content is in there that that author or that employer wants them to have. Okay. And so, and so there can be a, this 
really cool relationship between going from text message and starting that way to make sure people are getting the content to push notification and still maybe some text messages come through once in a while. The admin can still force some text messages through for messaging purposes and things okay. like that. And so now we're hitting that. I think WhatsApp is great, but Facebook controls the world. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, they, as we scale and grow, they probably have to be Facebook buying us for that to happen. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And do, 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 do. Well, we've covered a lot in there. So um, I guess the biggest thing I want to ask you right now is um, we, we've talked a lot about Conveyor, but in terms of going forward five, ten years down the road, where do you see your company going and what are you trying to achieve with the business or the mission? I see us being, you know, internationally recognized is the company that finally brought life to boring digital training, what traditionally is boring digital training. So that national recognition and I see us, you know, raising millions of dollars for, you know, some organization and some cause related thing that we're figuring out right now that really does good in the world. And, you know, for me, it's, 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 you know, there's revenue, you know, we have goals and we have all those kinds of things. And this year is going to be another big year and Mm. next year it'll be even bigger. And those things are happening. But for me, it's like, I measure my success by the amount of impact Mm -hmm. we're having. Mm -hmm. And so I can't wait to see, you know, case study after we have some case studies now that are showing this, but case study after case study where, you know, Ivy League universities are finally relenting and going, you know what, we need to stop using Blackboard. Okay. We need to actually in Moodle and we need to shift to what actually works and companies mm-hmm. stop. You know, I picture like across the board, you know, Slack has swept the world mm-hmm. across, the, across the board. It's like, okay, we're no longer going to hurt our culture we're trying to create. And we're no longer going to hurt employee engagement and we're going to actually use something that actually is rocket fuel to employ engagement in the cultures we're trying to create. Um, We're no longer going to waste so much money producing content and we're going to buy into the fact that, you know, if you overproduce content, it's already irrelevant because it took too long to put together. We want to keep things relevant and keep up with the speed of change um, because speed and relevancy uh, trumps breath and polish. And, uh, and so that's, that's where I see ourselves. I see, you know, it's possible, you know, that some other co- big company might be interested in us at some point. We're not mm-hmm. building it just to sell it, though. We're yeah. just along for a fun ride of completely disrupting oh, yeah. um, the d- digital training space. Oh. And there was one important question I forgot to ask you. So how were you acquiring your customers? Because you've mentioned Capital One and you've mentioned a bunch of other companies. But, you know, getting customers is one of the biggest things that a lot of entrepreneurs have problems with. So how did you acquire the first customer and then subsequently, how are you getting customers to know, like, and trust you and to shift to using your platform as opposed to what they're currently using? Well, I've been a paid professional speaker and executive coach, and I've had seasons where I I do that. I sometimes still do that on the side for fun. Okay. Uh, And so I really, you know, I have this side, you know, passion that I really care about those people, those, you know, professional speakers, trainers and authors and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so we we started with them, but it was a strategic move because those people um, are service providers to large companies. Yeah. And, and so uh, I'm connected to a lot of those people. And so through, I think my, my first customers came through warm, warm market. Um, but then it was uh, developing systems. If you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to do sales, I encourage you to go. Okay, whiteboard this out and go. What are the three different sales channels that I think are going to be most important for our product fit? Okay. Yeah, really identify your target pro- target audience. 
and and get feedback on that if that's really your target audience. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe do a one question survey where you ask people one question and get feedback on things and really learn who your target audience is. Mm -hmm. Set up those three sales systems. What is it? Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, and and blog posts. You know, and content marketing, okay. or what is it? Cold email and a combination of other things. Pick your three. And then fully execute your three. Okay. You might have to do one first, then the next one if mm -hmm. you're a person that needs to stay focused. Mm -hmm. And then learn, and then learn from that, and then be quick to fix. And marketing, by the way, in sales is an ever-changing thing. Yeah. So you really have to be on it. And if you're not naturally inclined towards sales and marketing, get someone on your team that is. Oh. Contract it, buy, hire an agency that does Facebook ads, whatever you need to do. Don't be afraid of getting others to help you because it is. Um, it is an important thing. Now, if you're someone that's like a trainer, has information, a speaker, and they want to monetize their content, mm -hmm. and, and you're at that level, then then I would think about, okay, what's the lowest hanging fruit, big opportunity thing I could create and digitize? And then I, I, am I going to try and sell this or am I going to try and differentiate my speaking and training by having a report, reinforcement campaign after I speak? Okay. And, and, that, and that's enough value. And so think about the end. Mm -hmm. You have to think from the end of mind. And then go to the beginning and go build something that people actually want. Yes. The big mistake people often often make that are information marketers or author speakers is they build something they think everybody needs. Mm. But you actually have to build something you already know people want. Okay. You have to you have to don't don't build just because my gut says, Oh, people need this. You know, I see mm -hmm. a big need for this. Yeah. No, 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 no. Verify that that people actually are willing to pay for that. So how can someone determine what people want? Like what steps would you take if, if this was you starting a new venture again? Well, I think that one question, if I was like a speaker or trainer or somebody in, in that space, depends who we're talking about. Yeah, but if I was in that consultant, if mm -hmm. I was in that space, then I would, I would do a one question survey okay. and maybe I have an email list already or I have, you know, Facebook friends or I have LinkedIn connections and I would just go, Hey, I, you know, what is, what is, one thing you'd like to hear more from me about. And it might just be that, like if you're already sharing content, mm -hmm. that would be a great question to ask. Yeah. Or what is, or what is the, what is one problem in this area that you most need to figure out? Oh. Maybe you already have an area of expertise you have, but you really want to find out what, what, what are people stuck with in that area? And then you can, and then you can build something and then you could either build a full course or you could build something for free mm -hmm. that addresses that area, like a lead that turns into your lead magnet later. And, and then you're giving that away for free just to validate that people actually want that. You won't believe how hard it is to give away something free if it's not what people want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, so, and so you will learn like just cause something's free doesn't mean people get it. In fact, yeah. sometimes rather buy something than get something free. That's true. So just, there's a lot of dynamics here in psychology, but but I think that I think that you're validating, and then and then you're like, wow, people really like this free thing. Mm -hmm. Let me make a really robust, unbelievable thing that people can buy. Yeah. That further solves what this free thing solved. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good evolution. Fantastic, and I think there's nothing more to add to that. So as we start to wind down the show, uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation, but um, I just want to ask you a couple winding up questions, and then. We'll find out where people can reach you and find out about more about you and um, conveyor.com. So tell me a little bit about your wife's business, CourageousMom.com. Yeah, my wife is um, 
is an unbelievable uh, ability to bring truth to light around being a mom. Okay. And and it takes courage to be a mom in today's world, especially a mom uh, that is uh, has faith. And the reason for that is the world is increasingly becoming corrupt. Yeah. Uh, and following in a lot of ways. Now, I don't want you to think that I am a, a gloom and doom kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I actually tell my kids it's the greatest time to be alive ever and to be a young person. Yeah. So that's my true take on things. But but there is, at the same time, as great as things are, there's also more corruption than ever. Mm-hmm. And, and so to raise your kids in a godly way in today's world takes being courageous because you're actually many times going to have to go against the norm, the yeah. normal path, that even Christians are going down if you're truly following what the scriptures tell us to do, yeah. which is take seriously, um, you know, the discipling your children and educating your children mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, being aware of the Holy Temple and not just putting in what the government wants you to put in your bodies in yeah. terms of medications and things like that. Like you have to look at everything mm-hmm. to just name any area and you have to look at it and you're probably going to make some unpopular and different decisions if you're really thinking about all your jurisdictions yeah. as a mom. Hmm. So she, a courageous mom, she writes about all these different issues. She also wrote a book, um, Redeeming Childbirth, which is a motivational faith-based book about, you know, uh, giving birth. And it's not a methods book, but it's more of like how to include God in that experience. Mm-hmm. And um, she has courses, parenting course, and she's got, you know, a postpartum course to prevent depression and Uncle. heal naturally and stuff Uncle. yeah on come here, yeah 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 she sells them like crazy wow. uh, and, uh, nice and so yeah so she's you know but she's here and she's pregnant right now this is the first wow. uh, place i've publicly igno- uh, told everybody that she's wow. pregnant but so um but yeah kid number eight kid number eight is on the way wow and and um that's a whole nother story of why i have so many kids but but um but it's uh, but we're excited about it, nice. and um, and so she's pregnant and um, and writing and impacting the world from home. Nice. So I guess that leads me naturally to my second question: is how do you maintain your business and your personal life? You have a large family, responsibilities for kids from seventeen down to a newborn. Congrats, by the way. You have a Thank wife, you. and then of course you have a business that you're running with your friend, which is also growing like a weed. So how do you split your time and manage those two um, pressing parts of your life? Well, the first thing is um, there's no time to spare mm. for those called to have big impact. Mm. And and the, and the second thing I will say is you have to have priorities. And it's no, you can't just give lip service that my family's the number one priority. Well, how does that live up in your actual actions in life? Mm-hmm. And I believe, I have seen, I've witnessed God bless me and take care of me mm. when my priorities are not only right in my mind, but they show through in my actions. Okay. okay? And, and so there's so much time every day, actually. So one of the things I don't do is I don't have cable. For example, I don't waste time in front of a TV. Not at all. Uh, I don't have a cable. Wow. I, I mean, I watch net. I watch Netflix. Yeah. I rent movies on Apple. Um, 
you know, things like that. But I, I, I'm very careful not to waste time. Like yeah. watching commercials would be like, Wasting. why would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and so, so really taking control of your time. Mm. And then because I have a large family, um, working from home is super important. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think it takes a disciplined life, a big movement in my family. Every year I have movements for my family that, you know, I lead with. And this year is discipline and being a producer not just a consumer. Mm. A big problem is kids and adults are on their phones all the time and yeah. on social media all the time. And no question, we're on those things. But it, 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 there has to be a balance. And I tell my kids this. I'm like, hey, if you're going to consume on Instagram, you better produce on Instagram. Uh-huh. If you're going to be consumed, we're not just going to be consumers of other people's content. If you are, the only way you can have that app on your phone is if you're posting on that app. Yeah. And so I think that's a good balance to have. And the other thing is a disciplined life. And I kicked it off. I want to share the story because I think it'll help everybody. Yeah. For 42 years of my life, I never focused on my health. I went to uh, 229 pounds. I'm just shy of six feet. So, mm. you know, uh, I was overweight and I was unhealthy. And my son started working out and he's really fit. He's 14, my oldest son. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw the younger kids working out around him. I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. Mm. I was like, he is, he inspired me mm. to get healthy. I got a coach and I fully submitted to that health coach. Mm. Um, and the reason I did is because there's another area I needed to work on, which is submitting to authority. And this, this I think he's 27, 30 years old. He's a lot younger than me, yeah. not as far along in, in different ways in life, but it doesn't matter. Like I can't have ego. I got to just yeah. submit. This guy has an expertise I need. Yeah. And I submitted to him. I did everything he asked me to do, whether from vitamins, food to workouts for 90 days. And I just finished it this week mm. and I lost, I lost 34 pounds of fat. Wow. I gained, I gained muscle and I'm in better shape ever in my life. Mm. And the, and the fundamental reason I did it and I'm staying the course, uh, there's no going back. Yeah. And the fundamental reason I did it is because my kids are watching. Mm. And the second reason I did it is because I want to live to see a hundred tulpins uh, running around. And so <laughs> nice. That is going to, and that's going to drive some people on this call crazy. Yeah. Oh my, so you're going to hurt the environment, all these other things. Well, no, 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 no. My kids are producers. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to be contributors to the world mm-hmm. and leaders in the world. And, and, um, and so they're not going to be just taking away from the from, from their, their producers. And, you know, plus, you know, when we drive around in my van, you know, the, the average consumption of gas per person is far lower than your vehicle. Mm. So so I'll just, you know, if anybody had that thought, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is awesome. I, I love that because I mean, your, your approach and your philosophy to towards discipline and production is it's counterintuitive because everybody's naturally conditioned to sit down and take in what people create but you find that the people producing are the ones that keep on succeeding and keep on producing whereas those that consistently consume are always the ones that are either broke looking for money are always in some problem or the other so it's good to start that mindset early in kids as well as teaching people who are yes were um farther along than your kids me example but um, it's good to have that mindset of at least always being the mindset of consistently producing and putting back something in the world and watching that grow from afar yeah absolutely 
Right. Isaac, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show for the past one hour. So before I sign off, where can people find you, learn more about you, learn more about your business and possibly get in touch with you? Yeah, conveyour.com, C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-U-R.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask for me on the little bot on the front of our website, it'll, it'll get to me. Okay. Um, another, another way you can reach me is on connect with me on social media pretty okay. much anywhere. Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-T-O-L-P-I-N, mm-hmm. Isaac Tolpin. Okay. Love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Great. And I'll put all that in the show notes um, once the episode is published and ready to go. So thanks a lot Great. for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you spending the time to tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your business, your adventure, and of course, your family and your business and life principles for success. Yeah, no problem. And I'll give you guys something. I'll, I'll let you put it in the show notes. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a little micro course, so you can you can get some great content right in your phone, but also see, okay. you know, what I was talking about with conveyors. So yeah. I'll give you something free. You you can put that. All in right. The show that. notes. Sure. Great to be here. Great. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.